Our first uh, scripture reading is from Matthew's Gospel, the uh, 25th chapter. It's a part of a long a parable that Jesus tells. So I'm just going to take a piece of it. And it's Matthew 25, verses 35 through 40. Picking it up, it says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to the one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Story is told of a Bible professor at uh, Princeton Theological Seminary who did a study to see how much students actually approached the model of Jesus Christ. What he did was he made appointments with 40 students and told them that he wanted them, them to do a study based on their specific reading of a Bible passage. Those 40 students were to read, study, and then do a talk on Luke chapter 10, which is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, when they came over to the professor's office, he said, you see that building over there? I want you to go over there and record your talk. To one group within the 40 students, he said, you've got all day to get over to that building across campus. Just make sure you get over there before the end of the day to do your talk. To another group within the 40 students, he said, you've got just enough time to make it you better leave right now. And then finally, to the last group, he said, you're already late, you better hurry. Now, unbeknownst to those 40 students, it was prearranged that on their way over to that building to record their talk, they would encounter a man who appeared to have been beaten up. He was on the ground, moaning and groaning and lying there in pain. Now, of those 40, Princeton Theological Seminary students, how many of them do you think stopped? 16, 16 out of the 40, 23 went around them and they said one guy even stepped right over him. Now, what is shocking is that what they were reading had no bearing on what they did. But the overriding factor in their decision-making was that of time. Of those who were told that you better go over there and hurry, only four students of the 40 stopped. Billy Graham once said, the smallest package in the world is the person who is wrapped up in himself. That this kind of thing could happen at my beloved Princeton Seminary, I have to tell you, is especially disturbing. Well, friends, when the world is at its worst, when the Seminary is at its worst. The church, the church should be at its best. We are to demonstrate Christ in every way to those who are around us. We are to live in Christ's likeness for the one who came to redeem us. 
And as the church, we are to be like Jesus in all that we say and do. Today, I'm bringing to a close my sermon series that we've been working through in this month of May called The Five Love Languages of God. Remember, we began on May 1st with physical touch. Then on Mother's Day, May 8th, we talked about words of affirmation. Uh, Reverend Cynthia Betts Bogley was here on May 15th. She preached on quality time. Last week, we talked about giving of gifts. Today, today, the last of the love languages is acts of service. And I'm gonna invite you to join me as I read our second scripture of the morning. It's coming from the New Testament, from the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter four, verses one through seven, and I'm gonna skip on down a little bit and read verses 11 through 16. I invite you to follow along. Paul writing says this, I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now down to verse 11. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. And now, God, we pray that you might come among us in these moments and illuminate the scriptures for us and fill us with the light and life and love of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. You and I, together, we've been called by God to live out our faith in worship, in worship and service to Jesus Christ. We are a part of one another. We are one body, especially this morning. We are one body worshiping together as one body as we have one worship service. We are a part of the body of Jesus Christ. And regardless of what our spiritual gifts may be, Commitment to the church, commitment to this church requires us to be humble, humble servants. You see, God sent Jesus Christ into the world as a servant, not to disguise or camouflage who God is, but to reveal a fundamental truth about who God is. God is a humble servant who desires us to be humble people. 
And friends, I have good news for you today. Whether you believe it or not, God has gifted you for ministry in this church. And God can use each and every one of us right here, right now, to strengthen our faith, to bolster our work, to enrich our lives so that we might go out and serve him. We all have gifts, but gifts that differ. You know, when a couple gets their wedding gifts from the people that they invite, sometimes they don't all differ. And that's not necessarily good news because you need a diversity of gifts. You need a variety of gifts in order to set up a household. Well, friends, you are an appliance that God has showered upon the household here at Chestnut Level Presbyterian Church. And we have a wonderful variety here because they're, they're, no two are alike. We have crock pots and crack pots, <laughs> curling irons and blow dryers and microwaves and all the appliances that you can imagine here. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, there are a variety of gifts, but it is the same spirit. So when you go home after the service today, all the appliances in your house are going to have one thing in common. There's going to be a plug with a cord at the end of it. It's the same power. Whether you teach Sunday school, or you're an usher, or you're a greeter, or you count the offering, or you come and help with the food here on Wednesday nights, it's the same power. It's the same spirit that courses through each and every one of us. Now, I have a feeling that some of you out there are thinking, well, John, look at this attendance today. A church this size, it doesn't need my help. Not true. Just, just spend a couple of hours here one day and you will encounter all kinds of unmet needs here. What we need here at Chestnut Level is for people who are willing to jump up and say, I, I can serve, I am willing to serve Jesus Christ. Why? Because God made you that way. You were made to make a contribution, not just to consume. God made you to make a difference in this world. And what matters most is not how long you live, but how you live. What matters most is not the duration of your life, but the donation of your life. The Bible says that we were created not to be pew potatoes, but to serve. That means we're saved to serve, we're gifted to serve, we have been shaped to serve. We are commanded to serve God back. As someone has said, a non-serving Christian is really an oxymoron. Now, as I said earlier, we're looking at acts of service this morning. You want to boil it all down and, and have me give you a definition of what service is? You know what service is? It is love in action. Love in action. God calls us to go beyond the barriers, beyond the barriers of, of race and socioeconomic status and geography, family structures, and our messed up culture, which it really is, and to go, to go and serve him. At the... Uh, Fellowship Community of Presbyterians Conference that I attended a couple weeks ago down in Washington, D.C. One of the presenters was a man by the name of Thomas Ranieri. He has authored a book titled The Post-Quarantine Church. And he did a little workshop in which he shared with us various characteristics of churches getting healthier post-COVID. 
One of the things he shared is how churches sort of need to relearn, he said, relearn their community. Who's around us? What do they need? How can we help? There is even a website called www.knowyourcommunity.com. It's a map of the demographics of our area that shares important data about who in the world are the people that are living around us. I wonder, I wonder what would happen to us if we were to slip on a pair of Jesus glasses? What would happen if we could see our neighborhoods, our communities, our workplaces, our bosses, our loved ones through the eyes of Jesus Christ? What would it be like for us to see all those people, all those needs, all those hurts as Jesus would see them? Now, some of you out there may be thinking, John, I'm not really sure that I can help you in this area because the truth is, I'm not really a very good Christian. If I started mucking around in this, I might set the kingdom of God back several years if I tried to showcase my faith in Jesus Christ. Well, friends, never underestimate how much God can use you. I love the story that's told of the old Arab man who died and he left 17 camels. And in his will, he was clear as to how his inheritance was going to be distributed to his children. It said his oldest son were to get half the camels, his second son was to get a third of the camels, and his youngest son was to get a ninth of the camels. Well, everyone there was sort of confused because you can't divide 17 into two, and into three, and into nine. And they didn't want to have a big family dispute about the inheritance. They certainly didn't want to spill the blood of any camels, and they didn't know what to do until a neighbor came over and said, listen, I'll lend you my 18th camel. And so they divided into two, and that makes nine, and they divided into three, and that makes six, and they divided into nine, that makes two, and nine plus six plus two equals 17. That neighbor came over, and he took his camel back. And everybody was happy. Now, I have a point to draw out of that. (laughs) I believe that God sends you and me into the world as the 18th camel. The church is to be the visible vehicle for the mission of Jesus Christ. A few years ago, they moved the Queen Mary into Long Beach Harbor, Florida, and the marketers developed a very clever uh, clever, uh, slogan to try to get people to come. The slogan that they used was, "The the greatest ship to go to sea is now the greatest ship to go see. That's clever, I like that kind of stuff, but it's also kind of sad that the greatest ship to go to SEA is now the greatest ship to go to SEE. And the reason why It's sad is because I think about the church, because we're a vessel that has been made to sail the high seas of faith, to navigate the globe of God's mission. And how sad is it when a church circles back to port, drops its anchor, and becomes a museum of memories. And I have to tell you, I don't ever want that to be the case here at Chestnut Level Presbyterian Church. In Ephesians 4, 
12, which I read earlier, the Apostle Paul talks about God's people doing works of service. It's not about getting a pat on the back or an attaboy for a job well done. It's not so that people can say, oh, what a nice person he or she is. Rather, what we want them to say is, what a great God you serve. Unfortunately, it usually comes down for us to an if only. If only I had the time. If only I had the nerve. If only I had the money. Do you want to know what that is? That is the Holy Spirit tapping you on the shoulder. Friends, I believe that God is convicting us to do great things for Jesus Christ here at Chestnut Level Presbyterian Church. We are to put hands and feet to our faith as we go out in acts of service to God and for one another. Last week, my friend Hubert Lathan from Fellowship Presbyterian Church in Greensboro, North Carolina was, was here to visit some friends in Bethlehem and in Elizabethtown. And then he uh, came here to church at our 1030 service and then he stayed for a couple days uh, with me. I'm sure he's Zooming right now. Hubert Zooms every week with us from North Carolina. And I think I've shared before in a previous sermon that uh, Hubert's wife, Margie, was diagnosed with Huntington's disease. If you know anything about Huntington's disease, it's not pretty. It's a cross between Alzheimer's and Parkinson's with a touch of Lou Gehrig's disease, and there is no cure. As Huntington's disease progressed within Margie, her ability to process information worsened. She reacted much more slowly to, to questions, and she had trouble recognizing familiar faces. There were also fits of, of anger as, uh, as, as one of the emotions she would express, including becoming impatient whenever she had to wait for something. Now, tack on that the inability to walk, sit still, have your arms and legs work in a way like they used to, and you can begin to understand that this is a brutal, brutal disease. But through it all, Hubert was Margie's faithful caregiver. He fed her. He bathed her. He took care of all of her needs. And toward the end, Hubert was basically sleeping at night with one eye open as Margie would get up several times during the night and, and he was afraid that she might fall. He, he even arranged for her to have companionship during those times when he couldn't be there. But overall, he was the one constant in her life, always at her side, serving with a Christ-like love. Well, Margie died on September 26, 2020. And now, post-COVID, Huber is taking some time to travel and do some other things. And one time, he and I were talking, and I said to him, I just want you to know, Hubert, how proud I am of the way that you've handled this difficulty. And you want to know what he said back to me? He said, difficulty? John, you, you've got it all wrong. Oh, oh, sure, there were times when I wondered if I could give all that I was able, but you must realize that Margie gave me someone to care for. Margie gave my life meaning. It wasn't a difficulty at all. She was a gift. One of the greatest gifts that you can give to this church is to minister to others in their times of difficulty and help bear their burdens as a servant of Jesus Christ.
And so let's follow God's command. Let's model the grace of Jesus Christ. Let's demonstrate love to our neighbors, and let's do it in the love language of acts of service. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, it's astonishing uh, to think that you desire to use each and every one of us to build up your body. We are thankful that you call not only pastors, but also ushers and greeters and teachers and youth leaders and volunteers to go out and serve others. You call some people to write encouraging notes and, and drop them in the mail. You call other people to, to take food and drop them off with families who need a helping hand. God, you call us to be intercessors in prayer, moment by moment, for one another. And yet, Lord, you know all too well the obstacles in each one of our hearts that keep us from giving ourselves fully and freely to you. For some of us, it might be a sense of inferiority or an intimidation of saying or doing the wrong thing or a sense of fear. It might be the coolness of our commitment to you, the half-heartedness of our souls, or the feeling that we are working so hard for our own kingdom that we simply don't have time for yours. Whatever it is, O oh God, you know it. And in these moments, as I pray over this talented and terrific congregation, let us nail every talent we have to the cross so that you might give it back to us as a gift to be used for you in this world. Thank you for bringing us together as one within the body of Christ as we live and love and serve Hold us in your hands as we hold each other in our hearts. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.